Welcome to the Werewolf Den, where we delve into gaming concepts behind White Wolf's Werewolf the Apocalypse. I'm Amelin. And I'm Ryan. Welcome back. So, today we're going to be talking about the Glasswalkers. And when talking about the Glasswalkers, I feel that the Bonars automatically come in. They're both conceived of as the urban tribes. They're the tribes that operate and thrive within the cities. But Bonars are sort of conceptualized as those who have nothing, and the Glasswalkers are conceptualized as those who have everything. And I feel that that's a bad way to consider the Glasswalkers. The analogy that I like to use relates to like the Dark Souls or the Bloodborne games, where these are incredibly difficult games that require hours and hours of practice just to get skilled enough to defeat one boss. And then the next encounter you have, you have to practice and throw yourself against. They're hard, right? They're notably hard. The Bonars are the tribe that goes, screw this, plugs in some cheat codes, and plays the game by their own rules, right? They're disbanding themselves from the status quo. They're operating on their own means, their own way. The Glasswalkers are the tribe that gets good. They're the ones that practice and get accustomed and adapt to this game setting. And through that, they thrive. That doesn't mean that they, you know, are the CEO of a corporation. Again, werewolves don't have day jobs. But they are the ones who have studied and understand how this urban jungle works, right? As an environment, as an ecosystem. And they thrive within it where others either eschew it or play by their own rules. So very frequently, the concept that we come across with the Glasswalkers, with players, is this misconception that they are the most human, most urban tribe. That must mean that they're the most technologically advanced tribe, and then players' imaginations run wild with it. Sometimes in a very good way, but more often than not in a very, very cliche way. And this is how you end up with Cyborg Werewolf. Yeah. Oui, oui, oui. So the tribe does have a very strong relationship with the Weaver, but they are still affiliated with the Wild, right? And there's a lot of room to sort of explore how far you go in one direction or another. And again, for all the other tribes to sort of speculate on how corrupted by the Weaver this tribe really is, right? There's a lot of good roleplay to be had there. So when it comes to the Glasswalkers, the best way to look at them is not by the aspect of they are the urban tribe. The best way to look at the Glasswalkers is by looking at their totem in, my, in this particular case. Their totem is cockroach. And when you think of a cockroach, you don't think of computer systems or hacking when you think of a cockroach. You think of a thing that does not die no matter what you do to step on it. And this is where that sharing with the Bonars comes in. The Glasswalkers, much like the Bonars, are said to be one of those tribes that supposedly may very well survive the apocalypse because they will not die. Because the Glasswalkers, much like the Cockroach, will adapt to any situation that they are in. Mm -hmm. It is that adaptability that makes for a good Glasswalker not how many G's you can get on your phone. Yeah. And again, that's still an applicable Glasswalker concept, right? The technophile 
still works, and a lot of their gifts relate in this direction. But yeah, we're trying to advocate that there's a lot of room to sort of explore within this tribe, that you don't need to feel like, oh, you're a CEO or the son of a CEO or the daughter of a CEO and you have all these connections in town and all this influence and all this money and all these gadgets. That there's room to play a glasswalker within any breed. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can do a good lupus glasswalker. It still works really, really well. I think the best way to describe that is we mentioned in our breeds episode a player that played mm -hmm. a lupus glasswalker. And I think describing more in-depthly how this player played his lupus glasswalker might help emphasize our point with this. Yeah, it, it had a very sort of food chain relationship where he saw himself as above all of these lesser things, right? When he uses control simple machine, it's not him understanding it, it's him asserting his dominance over that hinge and making it swing. It's him adapting in the best sense that he understands, right? As a lupus, as a, a wolf, he sees himself as a predator. And these things aren't even prey. These are rocks, you know? These don't even fit on the food chain. And so clearly they're beneath him, and he can assert his authority over them. And it just worked really well. When he came to us with this concept, he said he wants to be a lupus that screams at doors to open, and it works. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this sounds amazing to us. Because that is very, that is a very lupus mentality. It conveys the notion that he understands that this world is not necessarily his, but he will survive in it. And he will survive in it by using the tools of his enemy, by using tools of whatever he considers the weaver to be. He will adapt and he will not necessarily learn. He doesn't need to understand. He just needs to function, and function well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, again, with a lot of these gifts that relate interacting with technology, that you can interpret this in a lot of different directions. That it doesn't have to be that I know everything about computers, ergo, I have this gift that interacts with computers. I would say probably like a strong contender, I would think, honestly, right now, for good glasswalkers are those social media influencers that know just the right times to hop off of a certain social media platform. Facebook is out. I'm popping out. Uh, I'm one of those first people that's hopping over to Twitter because that's the wave of the future. I see the patterns. I see where the strings are going. Mm -hmm. Twitter's going down in flames. I'm over here on TikTok doing my dances, bitches. Like, yeah, you're, you're not the person that invents TikTok, right? You don't have to be one of these bleeding edge individuals in terms of creating things, but you are a bleeding edge person in adapting mm -hmm. to these things, right? And that's where the tribe center is. And that opens up a lot more options than that dried and overdone technophile glass walker. And it's like, we don't actually have, we have something against the technophile glass walker. <laughs> what we have, an aversion to is the notion of the TV style hacker glasswalker. Like the hacker that's not obviously not an actual hacker. That person <laughs> who can like hack shit on the fly on their phone, moving around on the world. No, that's not how this works, sort of deal. The enhance. Mm -hmm. Enhance. Enhance. 
wow, suddenly there are more pixels, pixels than it originally had. Yeah. <laughs> what we are advocating for is that Glasswalker, that if you are a Glasswalker technophile, you are that Glasswalker that's like, why haven't we gone back to the moon? Why have we not physically gone back to the moon so that we can be closer to Luna and learn more about our rage or something like that? Or they're the glass walkers that are up in the space station because the planet is dying. Oh, maybe maybe there's other versions of Gaia maybe we could get to yeah. sort of deal. What a cool concept for like a glass walker that you're Oh my mm -hmm. goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities with this tribe. So you'd mentioned it previously, but this is the tribe most associated with humanity in sort of the general sense, right? Beyond any socioeconomic concept or principle, this is the tribe most associated with humanity. As humanity has expanded across the globe, as civilizations have risen and developed, the glass walkers have been right along for the ride. And their very namesake relates to this. They used to be known as, you know, the Warders, Warders of, of men, men, and then the Iron Riders, because they follow the railroads. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is a tribe that really understands humanity in a deeper sense than just, you know, having Hamid stop. Again, Metis and Lupus can still make excellent glasswalkers. And I think considering this, again, opens up even more of those doors, right? Because you're, you're sort of seeing the whole picture. And this is a tribe well-suited for having that whole picture viewpoint. Not only in that, you know, they have the ability to draw information out of, you know, net spiders and the internet and accumulate all of this mundane, if you will, lore, but from a spiritual perspective as well. Because not only do they have their relationship with the wild, but they also have that relationship with the weaver. Not necessarily in a buddy-buddy sense, can be, doesn't necessarily have to be, but from sort of a theological perspective in Werewolf, the Glasswalkers have a very interesting place at that table that no other tribe can really replicate or imitate. So, going back to that whole then connection with the Weaver. So, we've touched on what the Tria is a little bit, and maybe some of you newer people have been like, they keep on bringing up the Triad and this concept of the Weaver. They talked about the concept of the Wild a lot with the Black Furies. And they definitely mentioned the worm. We're guessing it's some sort of bad guy the way they've been talking about it. But we haven't been very good at explaining what the triad is. And this is as good a place as any to finally give you that explanation. Yeah. So the wild is your force of creation. To, to make this very blunt. Mm -hmm. The wild is your force of creation. It generates life. It creates things. The weaver is stasis. The weaver maintains these energies into a form. Whereas the, the worm is the force of deconstruction and decomposition. So the weaver breathes life into the seed. It grows into a tree. The weaver maintains that form, right, for the lifespan of the tree. When it dies, the worm comes along, kills the tree. It decomposes. Those nutrients enter back into the soil, wherein a new seed, fueled by the wild, can germinate and grow. And this is the cycle. Mm -hmm. Generally, in werewolf lore... For the most part, werewolves are on the side of the wild. They believe themselves to be creatures of the wild who were born of this complete chaotic energy, which further feeds into this notion of why they have supernatural rage, why they have supernatural emotions, basically. Mm -hmm. They are more connected to this chaos force, more or less. 
this life-giving chaos force than they are with the other two. In the old lore with the story, something happens to the worm that makes the worm go crazy. The worm goes crazy, and instead of being the force of destruction to for the sake of restruction and decomposition, the worm becomes a force of corruption and just evil for the most part. Right. And most perspectives, again, the books, to their credit, have not explicitly said this is what happened. Because it's all theological, right? It's all speculation and spirituality. Uh, but most perspectives, most opinions hold that the weaver grew jealous of the worm's role in destroying its... Uh, not jealous. It, grew je it was jealous of the wild's ability to create... So it, would, it took the form and made the forms in its own image for its own sake, and then the worm come, came along, destroyed it, and this enraged. This enraged the weaver. The weaver was like, stop, stop kicking my shit over, dude! This sucks! And uh, as a result, it then bound up the worm and, you know, used its webs to, to prevent the, the worm from performing its role and its function, and from that... The worm then went insane. This is the common interpretation of what happened by most werewolves. There's a different interpretation when we get into Eastern philosophies, but we'll get into that at a later date. Mm -hmm. Right now we're focusing on the main game, which is very Western focused, sadly, but, and not always in a good, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. The Weaver has a sort of antagonistic role within most werewolf theology. Mm -hmm. Glasswalkers can have a rather mutual aid relationship with the Weaver. Again, doesn't have to be, but it can. And so there's certainly a role for the tribe to play as ambassadors in this sense of the role that the Weaver can have in sort of maintaining or at least restoring proper alignment to the world, right? How can the weaver contribute to the fight against the worm? So, going with this whole notion of being an ambassador for the weaver, very, very commonly when players and storytellers read something in a book, they take it as this is law, even when the book explicitly states throughout the entirety of its run that everything in this is lore-wise is either up for debate or optional or all sorts of various things with that. And this story of what happened with the worm, the weaver, and the wild is very much one of those things that players and storytellers have definitely kind of latched onto of this is what actually happened, how everything went down. So we are going to treat all of this as gospel and that's good on one extent because this is what most garu believe mm -hmm. this is the story that most garu buy but if you're playing a glasswalker particularly if you're playing a glasswalker galliard i would suggest maybe playing somebody who doesn't buy this story mm -hmm. because stasis does bring good things. There are good things with stability. We are people. We crave stability. Yeah. 
stasis and order, when upholded by corrupt forces, are terrible. But when they're upholded by just and ethical and benevolent forces, these are good things. And this is a good thing for the Glasswalkers to perhaps advocate for and remind people about. Mm-hmm. If you like your modern comfort so much, you would not have that without the Weaver. You like that your kinfolk who may have food allergies doesn't have to suffer and die like our old kin used to? Thank the Weaver. You like that your Wi-Fi is stable and constantly connected? Thank the Weaver, right? Mm -hmm. Modern medicine, who took all of those bits of things from the wild, turned them into herbs and remedies and things like that. Even the most... The most banal thing. Like, Uh, your logistical supply train that keeps cans of soup in your grocery store shelves. That's the weaver. Mm-hmm. There are good things that come with the order of the weaver. The very functions of how you function in reality could very much be conceived as a construction of the weaver. Homeostasis is the weaver, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, the tribe can is, is best suited to push in that direction and to talk from that perspective which opens up a lot of roleplay opportunities. But when talking about their relationship to humanity, I think they're also, again, very well suited. And the books have sort of branded them as sort of the advocates for humanity, even, even maybe more so than the Bonars. From a ecological perspective, if you were looking at this purely from a lupine perspective, shall we say, humanity has conquered the world, right? By their hand, species live or die. Mm -hmm. They are shaping the very shape of the Earth itself. And so, if you are looking at this from a, you know, Darwin-esque sort of evolutionary perspective, that creatures are adapting to their circumstances, and those that adapt best to their environment are the ones that succeed, propagate, and continue on then yes, humanity is a phenomenal success as a species. Mm -hmm. And even though pretty much every single one of the worm's machinations is interpreted from a human event or activity, the glasswalkers within the books are sort of talking from this idea that humanity is a part of nature. They are a organism. They're a carbon-based life form and that they have a right and a place within the world and that maybe this is just the new normal right Mm -hmm. that cityscapes and the like are going to replace forests and if given the right inclination and the right direction that these can go on to still sustain gaia Mm -hmm. if they are you know carbon neutral these cities can become the new ecosystem Mm-hmm. And Gaia will be able to adapt, right? Just as Cockroach wants. And so there are very interesting perspectives that come with the Glasswalkers that really no other tribe can lay claim to. But again, they're still on the side of the werewolves, right? They're not sort of their own league doing their own thing. They're still on the same team. 
one good way to kind of maybe think of them from is werewolves deal with two different extreme voices that they are pulled from. They are pulled from their human side and from their wolf side. This is all very clear. Glasswalkers represent the epitome of that human side. They lean much more closer to that voice. They listen much closer to that human side voice than they do that wolf side voice. It doesn't mean they don't hear that wolf side voice, but at the very least, they can be seen maybe as one of the extremes from the spectrum of being a werewolf shouting from one uh, from one end. See, I kind of disagree with that. I think that they are the best at fusing those two perspectives. Because like with the examples that I just gave, where you have you know someone looking at it from an ecological perspective or from a biological perspective, that humanity is a species, it is surviving, it is thriving, it is succeeding, you know, but the worm is sort of doing its thing. We need to get the worm out and then let the humans, you know, create their, their urban paradises and let Gaia adapt, you know. I think that there is this lupine perspective within the Glasswalkers. I think there could be that lupine perspective, but it is definitely a thing where if we're, if we're using that spectrum idea, I feel like there's better tribes that are set to be considered as arguing from the middle. Have we talked about those tribes? We've talked about, I would say that we've talked about, eh, probably the tribe that best does it. We haven't talked about them yet. Uh, that would be the Silver Fangs. But we'll get to them. But if we're talking about the extremes of, per se, we have the Glasswalkers on one far end, next to them we got the bone nars and then we start getting a little bit grayer and a little bit grayer and a little bit grayer until we get all the way to that other end and we start talking about the red talons that's the spectrum i'm talking about and we'll get into the red talons so i think that would be a good place to leave off fair enough <laughs> i do believe next time we'll we will be talking about the in many sense polar opposite of the glass walkers the red talons yeah, and so this is one I'm actually pretty excited for because I feel that Red Talons do sort of, perhaps more than any other tribe, get stereotyped as this is the only option you have. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot to talk about with them. Excited to get into that. So we'll see you next time. Have a good one.